Thank you, Molly. It's always great having college students back to share, and we appreciate that so much. As Ken mentioned in the children's time, we are in a time of year, in a sermon series, dealing with the theme of choosing, generosity. Carrie did a great job of capturing that theme in her testimony, and I'm grateful. The sermon series that we're in is simply entitled Choosing Generosity. It's a choice we make uh, over and over again a hundred different times. And uh, in just a few moments, I'm going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. If you want to open your Bibles to that passage, it will be on the screen. But uh, I'll also give you an opportunity to have your Bible open so that uh, you can refer to the verses as we move through them. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 12. Before we do that, uh, it's, it's a good time each week to pause to be quiet in God's presence. Uh, We've experienced a great deal of God's presence, but to just meditate and reflect. And I invite us to a time of quiet. If you would bow with me, please, and uh, simply form your own prayer, your own confession, your own plea, your own intercession, or just be silent and soak up God's love. And then I'll lead us in a family prayer after you've had some moments. Loving God, you mark our lives with grace. Everything you do is full of grace. Your generosity continues to overflow from your heart into our lives and into our world. We thank you for that, and we acknowledge that the sin and brokenness and the rebellion in our lives make us often too busy or too selfish to really see the beauty of all that you're trying to do. We pray today that you would deliver us from pride, deliver us from self-righteousness, from bigotry and hatred, and deliver us, Lord, from the excesses of consumerism. Teach us more about being faithful disciples. We pray today on behalf of those in pain. We pray that you would touch those in pain today, whether that pain is pain of body pain of mind, of spirit, of relationships, that you would be the God who heals and delivers and blesses. And Lord, today in our world, war rages, and wherever that war is raging, we pray that you would bring peace, that you would particularly bless those serving in our armed forces today to keep them safe and bless them. And God, we pray for the safety of the community of Ferguson as we await decisions there, that there might be peace and justice. We pray for our governor and for all in authority that you might truly work in all of this, that there would be reconciliation. Lord, we acknowledge that as your people, uh, we are safe in your arms. We are free in you. We are joyous in you, and we are at peace in you. We live toward the blessed hope of our Lord Jesus Christ, We thank you for the eternal life, for the forgiveness and the abundant life that we have through him. We pray that you'll bless our hearts 
with understanding of your word this morning. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. If you're able, would you stand? And uh, we come to attention as God's word comes among us. And uh, I'll read this aloud and you listen prayerfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increased and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. You may be seated. I was in Columbia yesterday. I officiated a funeral service. Uh, After meeting with the family at 9 o'clock in the morning, I had some time before the 11 o'clock service. So I found a coffee shop and an opportunity to just get off in a corner and make the final adjustments to the uh, worship and, and funeral plans. And I was waiting in the coffee shop. I was waiting in line to be waited on. And the family right in front of me was obviously having breakfast. Uh a husband and wife and a a teenage son and a daughter. And um, uh, I noticed all of a sudden the lady in front of me in the line uh, looked around at the menu and looked back at the person behind the counter. And she said, what about that homeless man out in front uh, of the store? Has anybody given him anything this morning? And the clerk said, I don't know. So she started ordering food items, breakfast items, and uh, paid for everything, her family's and the extra things, and she took the food outside to the man, and then she came back in and spent her time with her family for a Saturday morning leisurely breakfast. When you're watching, when you're aware of the theme, the concept of generosity, it's amazing how many examples of generosity you see all around you every day. And when you're thinking about the theme of generosity, it's amazing how many opportunities you have to be generous every day. I have several observations about that lady's experience, the experience I watched. Uh, Number one would be just to uh, think about this fact, or maybe this question. Do you suppose that because of what that woman did, she will be unable to pay her mortgage this month? Probably not. Do you suppose that by what she did, she will not be able to buy groceries for her own family this month? Probably not. And then I also start wondering um, what her heart felt like performing that random deed of kindness. 
And then I wonder about what that homeless man's heart and stomach felt like when he was on the receiving end. And then here's the last thing I wonder. How come I didn't see that guy? I came in the same door. I walked right by him. But I had important things on my mind, among them coffee and a pastry. Just amazing what we miss sometimes. It's also amazing what you see when you're looking for it. Not very long ago, a woman told me about her grandmother. She said, my grandmother lived to be over 100 years old, and she said, and over 50 years of that 100 years she lived, she was a widow. She said, my grandmother made it a point every day of her life to call somebody and to either thank that person or congratulate that person or encourage that person. Every day she lived, she called somebody and out of her generous heart, she thanked or congratulated or encouraged that person. She said that when her grandmother died, the editor of the local newspaper said, whenever I got a call from your grandmother, I knew it was going to be a good day. What would it be like to live that kind of legacy? What would it be like to to die and have people talking about you that way, about your generosity? See, it's amazing what God can do with open hands and with open hearts. It's amazing what God can do in the giver, and it's amazing what God can do in those of us on the receiving end. It's just amazing what God can do. Now, that's why the words in our scripture are so important from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, when Paul talks about, if you sow sparingly, you'll also reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. And here's how the message translates it. Uh, A stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. It's that simple. It's that important. It's the law of the harvest. And by the way, you don't have to belong to FFA when you're in school to figure that out, do you? You don't even have to read the Farmer's Almanac to figure that out because if you just sow a a little bit of grass seed, just just a a pinch here and a pinch there, you're not going to have a harvest of, of green grass in your yard. You have to sow lavishly to have a lavish harvest. It's the law of the harvest. You always get in harvest what you sow, You always get more than you sow, and you always get later than you sow. It's just the way life works. It's the law of the harvest. Now, to give you some context, for those of you who weren't here last week, and for those of us who need a reminder, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians who live down south in the southern tip of Greece. Now, he's collecting an offering for hard-up, starving Jerusalem Christians. There's a famine in Jerusalem. 
And Paul wants to collect an offering not only to relieve suffering, but to bring the divided church together. The Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians are suspicious of one another, and Paul thinks what a perfect opportunity to bring these people together through this generous offering. And so Paul is writing the Corinthians down south, and he's saying, you know, your, your fellow Christians up north, they're very poor, but they're very generous. And then Paul says in these chapters 8 and 9, uh, you Christians down in Corinth are pretty well off, but you are, how shall I put this delicately, not generous. How can I say this nicely? Not generous. And so, he knew he had some work to do. So he says in verse 7, each of you must make up your mind what you're going to do. Interesting, the word means to make up your mind or make up your heart. It is to choose beforehand, not wait till the emotion of the moment, but to choose beforehand what you're going to do financially. To have an intentionality about your generosity, not a randomness, but an intentionality uh, to your uh, generosity. And he says, and, and don't do it grudgingly. In other words, don't do it with pain, but, but do it gladly. And we can do that. We can be generous because of verse 8, because verse 8 says God is able to provide. God is powerful to bless. God is able to bless in a way that, that is lavish. God is able to make all grace abound. I want to teach you that word abound. It's a Greek word. And uh, here's what it means. I want to show you in a, in a hyphenated, those are more than one word, but all of those phrases are, in, are packed into the Greek word for abound. Superabounding, spilling over more than enough. Say that out loud with me. Superabounding, spilling over more than enough. Oh, say it again. Wake up. Superabounding, spilling over more than enough. Now let's say it faster. Superabounding, spilling over more than enough. See, isn't that fun? It just rolls off your tongue. It, it's the idea of just this lavish spilling over. God is able to make all, all gifts superabounding, spilling over more than enough. It's the word, by the way, that is used in John chapter 6 after Jesus feeds the thousands. They feed everybody and everybody's full. Everybody's just stuffed. Nobody can eat anymore. All these hungry people who go days without food are full now. They can't eat anymore and they gather up the baskets and John says there were 12 baskets and the word he uses is not just full, that's how it's translated in English. There were 12 baskets full left over. There were 12 baskets superabounding, spilling over more than enough. God just keeps on giving. Wherever hands and hearts are open, he just keeps on giving. That's God's generosity. And I like the way the contemporary English version translates uh, this verse 8, God can bless you with everything you need and you will always have more than enough to do all kinds of good things for others. God is able to give you everything you need and you will always have more than enough 
to do all kinds of good things for others. Now, a yellow flashing light here. We don't give in order to get. I'm not teaching and preaching this morning that if you give $100 to the church, that for sure a $200 check is going to come uh, in your mail this week as some kind of refund. That's, that's cheap and it's shallow, and that's not even what Scripture is talking about. The blessings that come back to us are often of a different sort, not always in dollars and pennies. And after all, remember, generosity is about more than generosity of, of money. It's generosity of spirit. It's generosity of attitude. It's generosity of deeds. It's generosity of time. And, and Paul is saying that if, if you are generous, God will always see to it that you have enough. God will always see to it that there's, that there's enough there to give. Have you ever had the experience? Maybe you're at that point this morning. You just give and give, maybe to family, work, or just any number of caring relationships. You just give and give, and you just, you're at a point where you just don't, you don't think there's anything left to give. You just do and do, and finally you just feel like, I'm just, I'm exhausted. In fact, you're just thinking about quitting. And then somehow, some way, out of somewhere, God provides superabounding, super overflowing more than enough. You're just about out of gas, and then there's energy. You're just about out of seed, and then seed shows up. What Paul is saying is God is never exhausted so we don't have to ever be exhausted. I was thinking about this, and I remember a, a time on the farm as a boy when uh, we were planting a field, and I remember exactly where the field was, and we were trying to get the corn planted before the rains came, and working frantically, but, but Dad was about to run out of seed corn. He kept watching the seed in the planter, just go down and down, and he was, he was planting, and Mom had gone to, the, gone to town to get more seed corn. But it was a race whether she would get back and we could get it in the ground before the rains came. And it was just such a tense time, and you can't know unless you farm, unless, unless your money's on the line. You can't really understand what, it, what an experience that was, but you know, just as, as, the, as the seed corn was disappearing in the planter, then mom drove up, and there was a supply of seed corn so that the harvest so that the harvest would happen in the fall because there was an abundance, there was an appropriate amount of seed in the spring. And that's how God works. But I want to be careful here because so far it makes it sound like giving is about us, that generosity is about us, to make us feel good, to make us feel fuzzy and warm, or to make us feel blessed. But I want you to notice that verse carefully from the contemporary English version. God can bless you with everything you need. You will always have more than enough to do all kinds of good things. The last two words, what are they? For others. Not for me, not for you, but for others. For the people who are lost without Christ, 
for the people who are going to work and piling up lots of money, but their hearts are empty and they don't know what it's for. For the homeless people, for the hungry people, for the war-torn people, for the lonely people, for the children who need to learn about Jesus, for others. Paul says the whole point of all this is not for us. It's for others. You know, our church has a mission statement. We adopted this, I think, almost nine years ago, and we we were trying to live by it. And by the way, it's going to go through some uh, uh, real scrutiny as we think in the year 2015 about new ways and, and how it is strategically that God wants us to live into this mission to honor and worship God. Well, you read it with me. You need the practice, and so do I. Say it with me. To honor and worship God by being an inclusive and diverse family of faith, sharing the love of Jesus Christ, and empowering disciples. Now, I won't make you say that three times fast, but that's, what, that's why we're here. And, and as we think in 2015 about the new ways that God might be strategically leading us to live this out, here's one thing that's for sure. It will never happen without generosity. It will never happen without generosity. You know, Paul had a strategic mission. He was focused on what he was doing, collecting that money and making the church one in Christ and reaching more people. And somebody made this observation. The Apostle Paul never started with the question, how much will it cost? He always started with the question, what does God want us to do? And when you start with the question, what does God want us to do? It sort of changes the approach to generosity. I read a story, uh, I think it was in the Upper Room Devotional Guide some years ago, about a man named Bruce who traveled for a job. He was all over the northern tier of the United States. And uh, one evening he found himself uh, free, uh, away from home. And so he took in a minor league baseball game. Now, how many of you knew that on the first snowy day of uh, winter I was going to be able to mention baseball? So he took in this minor league baseball game, and he said during the third inning, uh, he was, uh, it was announced that by virtue of his ticket number, he had won a free oil change. But he didn't live there, and he wasn't going to be there the next day, so he turned around and gave the oil change certificate to uh, someone sitting behind him. Then in the sixth inning, he... Uh, was sitting in a particular section that, that won something because they had a mascot race. The, the visiting team and the home team's mascots raced between innings, and his whole section won appetizer at a local restaurant. And he thought, I'm not going to be here. Found a couple sitting a few rows down, gave them the appetizer coupon. And wouldn't you know it, in the eighth inning, this really happened. The guy's named Bruce. You can look it up. In the eighth inning, uh, a girl who, who worked uh, at the stadium was trying to get rid of all of her free stuff so she could go home because this was just a job to her. She walked up to him and handed him an envelope for a dinner for two at another restaurant. So he found another couple. He said, you live here? And they said, yes. And he said, well, enjoy an evening out. 
and he just felt so good. And then he, he's a follower of Jesus, see, so he started thinking about this, and he thought, I just got something, and then I found somebody to share it with. Got something else, and I found somebody to share it with. Got something else, found someone to share it with. He said, this is so fun. Then he said, it dawned on me, that's how some people view all of Earth's possessions. Just take what you need, but just turn around quickly and find someone to share it with. Just be generous. Here's my definition of generosity. For today, anyway, this is my definition of generosity. Looking for opportunities to be Jesus Christ to someone. Looking for opportunities to be Jesus Christ and then investing in that opportunity. That's generosity. Looking for an opportunity to be Jesus to somebody and then investing in it. God can do amazing things through open hands and open hearts. Let's pray.